And now for the final episode of the religions portion within the culture unit. You might have thought right there like, whoa, it's over? Nope. (laughs) We are not even out of the first unit. But we've looked at Buddhism, Hinduism, Islam, and finally, for the religion portion, Christianity. The world's most popular religion. And I don't mean popular in the high school version got the varsity jacket drives the convertible to school i'm not gonna say if it's a boy or a girl because this is 2020 what else man uh grades does it really matter popularity no christianity is the most populated religion as in the most people on the planet proclaim claim to be Christian. What does that mean? What is Christianity? Folks, that's what we're diving into. Again, we have looked at four religions. And when I use the word religion, as we talked about in the religion episode, that is kind of a Western way of looking at things, but looked at four religions and are thinking about what are they? And then what just general wisdom we can learn from it. So not trying to convert anyone into anything, just what could we learn from it while learning more about that religion itself. So we looked at Buddhism, reducing expectations to reduce suffering, uh, to try to live with intention to be harmless. We looked at Hinduism, talked about the Atman and the soul and like being a part of the universe. We are the universe. And like we as humans don't really, we're not really in tune. Well, Westerners, let's say, we're not really like super in tune with that concept of the soul. Very distracted, busy, busy, busy. How often do we take time to look inside? Islam talked about jihad, the struggle, the struggle to do what is right. We all struggle to do that. That one was more of like looking at the culture of Islam because that one's kind of complicated in the sense of what your typical person sees in the news is not an ideal representation of Islam, right? So what is the hijab, jihad, just trying to break that down. Who is Muhammad? The Quran. And then today is Christianity. Jesus, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, the Bible. Should we take it literally? I'm not going to answer that question because that's a trap. Different types of Christians. And then finally, we're going to look at um, wisdom from the Bible and wisdom that we can take away from Christianity and from Jesus Christ. So, folks, let's get our Bible on. Christianity. 
If you are an American, it is definitely part of your culture. And we're going to see a lot of people around the world, it's a part of the culture. Now, you may have grown up in a Christian family. You have may have grown up outside of a Christian family. Even if you grew up outside of a Christian family, you have been influenced by Christianity. What is it? What makes someone a Christian? Well, there's a few things. There's different sects. And when I say that, I mean S-E-C-T. Sect of Christianity. Um, And there's all these denominations, right? What's a Christian? Now, within Christian or Christianity, you're going to see the word Christ, Jesus Christ. So it's believed that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He is essentially God in a human form. Now you say, like, well, how can he be God and Jesus? Well, we'll get into that. He's God in human form. He died on a cross. Three days later, again, these are things that Christians believe. God in human form died on a cross. Three days later, rose from the dead, chilled on earth for a little bit more, went back into heaven. Now, he died on the cross as a sacrifice, self-sacrifice in a sense, for your sins. When I say your sins, it's whoever, right? He died, sacrificed himself essentially, came back and then went back to heaven, I guess, and did that so you could have a chance to get to heaven. Now, if you are a Christian, you believe that God went to earth in a human body, that's Jesus, that he died for your sins, and that's how you get to heaven. If you believe that, that makes you a Christian. This concept of sin, the belief is, or the logic is, that humans are not perfect. Uh, The first humans, Adam and Eve, which we'll get into the literal stuff later too, Adam and Eve knowingly uh, sinned as in did something wrong. And from that point, no human has, from the first humans, has ever been perfect. And because no human has ever been perfect, they don't deserve, they don't have the right, essentially, to be with a perfect being after life. And that's God. So the only way to be with God after you die heaven is to accept that Jesus died for your sins. That's like Christianity 101 trying to cover up a cover a umbrella over a complex religion. So, this whole how can he be God but also Jesus. And there's another one. It's the Holy Trinity. It's the 3 in 1. God the Father, so you believe like there is this all-knowing being that created everything. The Bible starts with, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So we're talking about there was nothing and like absolutely nothing except for God. Like God is outside of this sense of linear time, which when you think about it, it's pretty crazy, right? Like even, let's say like the Big Bang, You can be a Christian and believe in the Big Bang. You can be a Christian and not believe in the Big Bang. But let's say, like, from the sense of the Big Bang, there was 
something before the bang? Where did all that stuff come from? Like Christians believe that God is what created all this stuff. Now, I feel like the word term God is just used like way too much, right? Like if we're talking about this, a being that created everything, like that's a pretty awesome, almighty thing. Yeah, like this being. But we use God like, oh my God, all the time. So I Christians say, oh my gosh. And you might even not be a Christian, but you say, oh my gosh. It's like, don't say God's name in vain. Like God is deserving of glory is what Christians believe. Like part of your purpose is to glorify God. Now, kind of different with the Hinduism. Hinduism was more so God is everywhere, like in all things, everything is a part of God. Like God is the universe. This Christianity, God is a separate being that created all this. But like God, like when I look at the tree, right? I'm not looking at like literally God. I'm I'm looking at a creation of God, but like that's not God. God is a singular being that made everything. Now, that's what Christians would call it, God the Father. Then you got the Son, that's Jesus. So if you were to take God and put it, it, him, we were, Christians refer to him as him, but like, it's kind of difficult to, I mean, I feel like that's just a human way of explaining something that's not human to understand. Like, that's almost the same thing with eternity. Like, it's impossible for a human to comprehend eternity because we're stuck within the confines of linear time. Like, you can't imagine something that doesn't have a beginning or an end, like point A or point B or a lack of time, right? So our understanding of God, we try to, like, put it into words, even, like, God was there before time. Like, if you think about that, that's tough. Anywho, God also... Because his God was Jesus. So a baby was born and I guess the soul or the spirit of that baby is God. So while God was being God, how many times can I say God? Outside of the earth as in like the being. Like, I don't know, like it's not literally this dude in the clouds with his white beard that's looking down. Would you be like, how can he be both? Well, like if we're talking about if if God is God, then he can definitely be in a physical human body as well as doing his thing. So God entered in onto earth through a human body, Jesus Christ. It starts around zero, year zero. around the Middle East. That's Jesus. Lived his life, son of a carpenter, got a bunch of disciples, walked around, spread some pretty radical stuff. Really uh, kind of stuck it to the man. Like there were cultural things and religion was a huge part of that in at the time. And Jesus was walking around, like, chilling with prostitutes in a loving way. <laughs> Not, like, just going into brothels and, like, seeing what's up. Like, the 
the the idea is Jesus was without sin, like perfect. The only human in the history of the world to not do anything wrong. He can't, in theory, because he's God. So that's Jesus, again, came onto this planet, spread the word, pretty much said he can't get to heaven without acknowledging me, dies, raises again, resurrection, goes back to heaven. That's God. And then you got the Holy Spirit, which like the belief is for Christians that if you acknowledge that Jesus is God and died for your sins, then you're filled with the Holy Spirit. Like the Holy Spirit is a tough one, right? And again, keep in mind, I'm not an expert and people, I was about to say nerds, but kind of nerds just like argue about this stuff all the time. Like the Holy Spirit is, I guess that would almost, like that's kind of like the God is in the tree, right? Like that's the, you have the being, which is God, but then God is everywhere all at once. And I, that's the Holy Spirit. So Christians believe that there's like, it's three in one. You can be filled with the Holy Spirit. There was Jesus. There is still Jesus. And then there's God. Now, you got different types of Christians. You got Catholics, Protestants, and then Eastern Orthodox and a few more. But really, that's that. Uh, according to Pew Research Forum, this is in 2011, about 50% of Christians are Catholic and then 36% are Protestant and then 12% really are Orthodox quick, easy peasy way to know the differences. Now, Catholics are the Pope people. They have like their own traditions, their own beliefs, but essentially Catholics are the ones that are really into the Virgin Mary and <laughs> I mean like I'm definitely oversimplifying it. And they believe that the Pope is has been selected by God and like since Peter which is a, an apostle died like they've been selecting popes that like step in and the pope cannot be wrong so whatever the pope says goes that's why people were bugging out that when JFK was elected like well what if the pope says to destroy America like what's JFK gonna do because like the belief is that the Pope is almost like the closest thing to heaven or like to God that we have. So whatever the Pope says goes. You got Pope Francis. You got Protestants. We're going to dive into the Protestant Reformation, but they essentially say no to the Pope. And they are more so like interpret the Bible how you want. That comes from Martin Luther, although he didn't literally say that. These, this is where you got like Methodists, Baptists, non-denominational, all these different types, Calvinists, right? All those, they're Protestant. In the 1500s, there's going to be, it's pretty much Christian or Catholic rules the world. In my, the world, I mean Europe. And then branching from that is Protestants protesting the Catholic church. 
Then you have Orthodox Christians or Eastern Orthodox. And I was like trying to, because I've never really experienced anything Eastern Orthodox. But I was looking into it and I found this quote. Quote, the Orthodox Church believes in the Holy Spirit proceeds from God the Father, while for Catholics and Protestants, the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father and the Son. So, Eastern Orthodox Christians focus more on God than they do necessarily Jesus, and they say, like, God is the one that gives you the Holy Spirit, while Catholics and Protestants are like, yo, you're downplaying Jesus. Jesus is the one that, like, if you believe in Jesus, you get the Holy Spirit, right? So, all these different interpretations we've had 2,000 years for, like, humans who are flawed to try to make sense of what went down with Jesus. This dude named Jesus who said a bunch of stuff dies, there are sightings of him of him afterwards, and then people are, and then, right, like, what happens when the main dude dies, dies, everyone's like, no, he said this, like, no, he meant this, right, they just blah, 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 argue for 2,000 years. You got the Bible, it's the holy book, it's different, obviously, from, from the Quran, the Quran, as we said in last episode, is the Muslim holy book, and that is, according to Muslims, words of Allah, God, straight through, from like, God to pen through Muhammad. So, Muhammad is writing down like the words of Allah, God. The Bible is not that. The Bible is a Christian holy book, but... It's made up of the Old Testament, which is really written down stories of oral history, mainly of the Jewish people. It's got stories of like Moses, Jonah, Adam and Eve, King David. It's like the lineage of the Jewish people, the chosen people, I guess. And then you got the New Testament. And the New Testament is made up of the Gospels and then letters mainly written by Paul, but the Gospels are written by, there's a few of, like, there's more than just four, but in the Bible, it's Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and they are writing about, like, the story, the biography of Jesus, four different versions of it. There's a little bit of differences here and there, which gets a little complicated, and then you got letters. So once Jesus died, like, years later, they write down stuff, like Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Luke John, <laughs> write down the story of Jesus. And then you got these letters that are written by people like this dude named Paul. He's writing letters to other churches who are trying to like keep the movement going, but like starting to get off the path a little bit. And he's like, hey man, this is what Christianity is all about. So he's writing to a bunch of people like, this is what Christianity is. Pop, 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 sends it to a bunch of churches. Eventually, you got these multiple councils of people coming together like, okay, when we got our holy book, like what's going to be in there? They take the gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Those are dudes that followed Jesus. And then you got these letters written by people like Paul or John or Peter or whoever. You got a bunch of, a council of humans, of Christian humans deciding what goes into the Bible. I personally start to let, let me put it this way there seems to be room for human error the historian part of me 
is like, hold up, how long after Jesus died and like all that stuff went down, like how long did people write down, did it take for people to write down these gospels? Because memory is a fickle thing as we know. Like he said this, like, is that, is that what he said? And there's like little differences here and there. And then for the letters, you got Jesus, who is, let's say, literally God in human form, says these things, does these things. And then like years later, decades later, you then have people trying to make sense of it. And like these dudes like Paul, who's a human, make, trying to make sense of it. And like he's writing down like, this is what a Christian would do. There's room for human error, which is like a thought, I think a natural thought and a reasonable thought. What Christians believe. And this is kind of where like the Bible is different from the Quran. The Quran is like, it's the literal words of Allah. Christians believe that it's God inspired as in everything that's in the Bible is in there for a reason, but it is not literally the words of God. It's God inspired. You follow, you get the difference, right? Like Paul's writing this stuff and he is filled with the Holy Spirit. So he's like, he's a human saying human things, writing down human things. He has a human brain trying to make sense of something that's like really far out there. Like this dude came onto this earth and was like, I'm God. And it was like, what? Like I'm God. And when I die, I'm going to die for your sins. And if you want to get to heaven, you got to acknowledge that. And they're like, uh, <laughs> right. And not only that, once Jesus died, it's like decades later, centuries later, 2,000 years later, people are like, hey, that this is what happened. And if you want to get to heaven, you got to believe this. It's like, hold up. Again, the historian part of me is like, we've had 2,000 years of humans trying to make sense of something that's incredibly complicated. A natural thought that I have is like, if you look at Christianity in 2020, it's quite different than Christianity in like the 1910s and then in the 1800s and the 1700s and the 50s, you know, like go all the way back. There's been a lot of different types of Christianity, versions of Christianity. It, Christianity has evolved just like everything does. And when you leave room for interpretation, these are just thoughts I have as a human looking at Christianity. When you leave room for interpretation, where it's like, this is what was written. And not only that, I'm going to dive into something in a, in a moment. Something's written down and it's God-inspired It's like, do we take it literally or not? And if we're just interpreting what this person's saying, like, well, he said this, but it means this for us in 2020. Whoa, complicated. So you have a decision to make if you're a Christian. You see the Bible. You read the Bible. In Genesis, it says, in the beginning, God, and then there's two versions, really, um, of the story of creation. And then there's like Adam and Eve, 
there's Noah and this huge flood and the ark with two animals that kills everyone else, excuse me, on the planet. You got Moses parting the Red Sea, right? You have all these very fascinating stories. You have to ask yourself, like, did this literally happen? Some Christians believe that. That's a movement that really started from what I've read in like the 18th and 19th century. Like fundamentalist Christians, they think like the Bible is 100% literal. So like what the Bible says is not wrong. There's no inaccuracy in the Bible. So if the Bible says the world was made in six days, the world was made in six days. There are other Christians who are like, nah, I mean, it's not like literally made in six days. It's just supposed to like tell us important stuff of like how to live, how to get to heaven, how to understand God more. I'm not going to say which one is right. By the way, I have mentioned before that I'm a Christian. <gasps> Cat's out of the bag. But like, I get people spend can spend a lot of time arguing over that one, the literal. That's again, humans trying to make sense of something that is very complicated. Like for Jesus was born, Jesus did his thing, Jesus was sacrificed, we'll say, on the cross, which is like a Roman way to execute people. There were sightings of Jesus after he died, and then for pretty much 2,000 years, you've had humans going like, wait, what the heck happened? What? And like trying to, it's like the game telephone or whisper down the lane, I think. Christianity is consistently evolving. Now, as I was saying, the way to reduce it changing is to like take it entirely literally. That's not what's currently happening in the world. Didn't I think Pope Francis just gave the green light for homosexuality? And Catholics have to, according to Catholics, have to follow it because the Pope can't be wrong. That's a major shift. So, like, the Christianity that we grew up with is far different than the one that, like, our great-great-great-grandparents grew up with. And definitely going to be different a hundred years down the road. It's constantly changing. Here's what, uh, just a random thought, and then we'll get to the wisdom. What if there was like one time, like an era of Christianity that was right and everyone else is completely wrong? Right? Like, that would be complicated. That would stink. If you're a Christian, you're like, well, hold up. Like, I accepted Jesus was, and like, nope. <laughs> Not the right era. You should have been around in the 1330s, buddy. <laughs> it's like, 
There's one group that got it right. And by the way, when I say group as well, um, Christianity is pretty spread out. So I found another fun data point. In 1910, 66% of Christians in the world lived in Europe, and then 27 lived in America, the Americas, and then it was kind of spread out. In 2010, 36% live in the Americas, 26% live in Europe, 24% live in Sub-Saharan Africa, and then 13% live in Asia. And... Most of the North Americas are Protestant. When you get to Mexico, going south into the South Americas, they are Catholic. Most of Europe is Catholic. Germany and North is Protestant, including England. And the, the story why England's Protestant is interesting. We'll get into that when we get into the Liberty episode or unit. Uh, you have Eastern Orthodox, that's like Eastern Europe going into Russia. Yeah. All the, again, what do we do? And then within Protestantism, there's so many denominations, like all these different interpretations of an incredibly complicated thing. I don't know. But what wisdom can we get from it? Like, can we can we say that one group is right? Like, would Baptists say not only that like Catholics are wrong, but like if you are not a Baptist, like you if you're a Methodist, you're you are slightly off, but off enough where you're not going to get to heaven. Who can possibly say that's one? Christianity has to be right the dogma of Christianity that like you can only get to heaven through Jesus. And then two, like a very specific interpretation. Now, what wisdom can we as the listeners and Christian or non-Christian, like what can we learn from Christianity? I have two passages from the Bible. First one is and this adds to the complexity. There are a bunch of different translations. So the first one we're going to read is the King James Version. This is the one that says like, Thou, thy, thee. Matthew 22, verses 36 to 40. Some dude asked Jesus a question. Master, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. End quote. So someone asked Jesus, so again, who is like the essence of wisdom, the perfect human being. You ask God in human form, like what What's the most important thing, rule, to live by? And God in human form says, well, there's two. First, love God with all of your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. So, devote your mind to loving God devote your heart and your soul to like loving God. So I, I view that as like 
everything that you experience interpret with God in mind, right? Like all glory to God. You, even with the Grateful Dead song, like wake up to realize that you are the eyes of the world. Part of your purpose is to become aware of creation and to be like, dang God, that's dope. Now there are a lot of, like I'm sure some people are like, well, what about cancer? Like all this other stuff. Yeah, uh, I don't know, but your job, your responsibility, according to Jesus Christ, is to love God, to give glory to God. Everything should be viewed with like the lens of like this, God gave everything. The second one, which I find to be amazing, he's like, okay, so two uberly important rules. <laughs> Imagine this is how Jesus spoke. Okay, two uberly important rules. One, love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Number two, love your neighbor as yourself. The King James Version says, love, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. These two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. You're supposed to love God and then love your neighbor as you would love yourself. As like treat, it's the golden rule. Treat others the way that you want to be treated. And then that goes, that connects to the podcast I did before about Sonder and like empathy and like who is your neighbor. Mr. Rogers would say like everyone's your neighbor, right? We create these differences between ourselves. Like it's the Eagles, Cowboys fans, whatever, white, black, rock, rap, all these ways that we separate ourselves. So we're like us and then them, like they're not my neighbor. When I think Jesus would say, and God would say, who created the universe and like is, I would say whatever he says would then probably be right. If he created the universe, he said, you're to love your neighbor as yourself, to treat others the way that you you would want to be treated. And like everyone is your neighbor. Treat everyone on this planet the way that you would like to be treated. Love your neighbor. Now, what is love? Baby, don't hurt me. But um, looking in the Bible, this is from the NIV, the New International Version. Now, where I said before, like the complication of translation, 1 Corinthians 13 verses 4 through 7, the NIV says love, the King James says charity. And that's just like, do you know, like all these different translations have these different words that have different technical meetings. And when you go from like English to Spanish, right? It's just, it's complicated, but it really doesn't seem that complicated when someone asked Jesus what's important. He said, love God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. Anywho, 1 Corinthians says, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. So when we're saying love your neighbor as yourself, that's the, that's the expectation. You're to be patient. You are to be kind. 
You should not be jealous of someone else if they have something and you don't. If you love your neighbor, you should not boast about yourself or be proud. And it's not like a singular conversation, right? Like that, like the boasting and the pride. That's to all your neighbors. Don't be envious of what other people have. And don't boast about what you have. It does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. So like if, (laughs) I don't know why I thought of this, but like if there's one muffin left on the table, don't grab it. Let someone else have it. That's what Jesus would say. WWJD, what would Jesus do? And that's like a legit, I know it's like corny, like WWJD, what would Jesus do? There's like old bracelets, but that's legit. If we're talking about, and this is a good question to ask yourself. If we're talking about God, a perfect human being, a representation of a perfect human being, that's Jesus. It really doesn't hurt when like a situation arises, like, okay, what would Jesus do? Like, what would a perfect human being do? Part of what makes us not Jesus is like humans are capable of identifying like what is the right thing to do and we're unable to live it out perfectly. Like there's no human that hasn't gone through life except like if we want to talk about like to a certain age, there's no human that's gone through life that like hasn't done something wrong. Deceived someone. So even like toddlers deceiving to get something that they want. We humans are not perfect, but if we're envisioning Jesus, that's like the perfect human being. Again, they break down, like, how would he act? You would be patient with others. You would be kind to others. You would not be envious. You would not boast. You would not dishonor them. You would not be self-seeking. You're not easily angered. You keep no record of wrongs. That, like, let's just think about those for a bit. You're not self-seeking. You're not easily angered. And you keep no records of wrongs. Like, what is this selfless nonsense? Like, oh, what, you want me to turn the other cheek? If someone hits me, I bet Jesus would say, turn the other cheek. And like, yeah, he did. Someone hits you, like, isn't it such a human part to be like, well, now I got to hit them back a little bit harder. That is low-key, long-term, what leads to the Rwandan genocide. I know that's like super extreme, but it's kind of true. Someone does you wrong and you're like, oh, they, because of the us and them mentality, they did me wrong, must retaliate. And then you do something and then that person's like, hey, they did this. And then boom, it always goes, it's like prank wars. It always goes up a little bit and you find it very difficult when someone has done you wrong to let it go. Just to keep in mind, it's like your little our little checkpoint here. We're talking about the B 
being that created the entire universe, when asked what are the two important rules to live by, this is what this being said. If you're a Christian, you better take that seriously. And if you're not a Christian, you can still look at that and be like, well, that's actually pretty sweet. And then, like, not to call out Christians in this world, but I'm gonna. Like, how many Christians do you see? It, it feels like in our 2020, 21st century society, Christians are viewed as, like, the judgmental ones in this society. Where did that disconnect? I, that's what I wonder. Where did that disconnect happen where, like, Jesus, who, if you're Christian, you're all, like, gung-ho about, right? He said, hey, two most important things. Love God. You're like, check. And then he's like, love your neighbor as yourself. And like, well, as long as they're not gay, you know, <laughs> like, no. That's not love your neighbor as yourself. And it's not if and only if blank. It's not if they're like you, love them. Love. Which is profound. I, I said before in culture, we're all, humans are all very different, but we're all also very much alike. And I feel there are, again, so many cultural differences that it becomes incredibly complicated to live harmoniously in all ways. But what, what does a human want? Like it, a human obviously needs to meet their basic needs. We talked about Maslow's hierarchy of needs. You got to be able to eat, drink, have shelter, right? We need that. But then the next thing is like every human just wants to experience acceptance and love. When they don't, like think of children who go through traumatic experiences, it messes with them. We are at our, what would the word be? We are at our closest to our truest selves, at our most like comfortable homeostasis level when we are experiencing love and we're like we are in something. We're in, we are social beings, right? We. We want to be in a community. Every human, I think, now I could be wrong, every human deep down desires to be loved and to love. But that's where it gets tricky, right? Like, it's way more fulfilling to be loving. But because we're humans and, like, we're not perfect, like, the whole not easily angered, keeps no record of wrongs. According to Jesus, he's like, hey, it's going to be better. Like, I've designed life for that. Like, that's how it's supposed to be. And, like, I think what Jesus is saying is, like, that's more fulfilling. Like, you're going to experience a better life if you live like that. If there's, like, a correct algorithm, an equation for life, if you want to live a better life and like 
go with the flow, right? Like understand the algorithm of the universe. Let go of things. When someone's done you wrong, like let it go. But like, that's pretty hard. Someone says something about you. Someone cuts you off. Like, dude, that's me right there. When someone cuts me off, I will, until you exit off the highway or I exit off the highway, you will not leave my mind. (laughs) It's like driving. And my wife can attest. Like, when I'm driving and like someone cuts me off, until they're out of my sight, I'm like, yeah, damn you. (laughs) I hate you. Now, I literally don't. You know, but like, I, I can't just like, oh, it's whatever. Like, let that one go. Okay, and then, love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. And like, what's the truth? Jesus? Love? Because going back to Matthew, on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Like everything is based off love. If rather than everyone living for like self-seeking things of like, I need to get blank. If we lived with like the first intention, if there's like a filter in our minds, like do I do this or do I not do this? Do I say this? Do I not say this? Do I think this? Do I not think this? Actions and restrictions upon those actions if the first thing is like, well, is it loving? And if it's not, like, just don't do it. According to Jesus, like, that love should guide all laws and everything. And love does not delight in evil. And I think we have an understanding of what is evil. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. That's like, that's the wisdom that I wanted to grab from Christianity because I feel like 21st century Christianity for reasonable, there's an evidence, there's a history behind that of people think that Christians are like judgmental and filled with anger and hate and whatever else. Maybe we all are. But like, if we were to live our lives thinking like WWJD, like what would Jesus do in this situation? Like a homeless dude, you walk by a homeless dude, like what would Jesus do in this situation? Now, like if you don't know Jesus, the Gospels in the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, like they break down the life of Jesus. And that's what I said before, like Jesus was chilling with a prostitute. Like in a society in that time where like major taboo, like she is shunned from society. He's chilling at the well and a prostitute's there and like he walks over and talks to her. We're talking. God not and it's not like someone who is rolling up in the new Mercedes getting a bunch of t- pictures taken from him only wants to talk to you if you're going to like further his career or like get more get 
trying to get more likes on whatever. Like Jesus is chilling on the side talking to a prostitute. Saying like, hey, how are you? And like, (laughs) this is key. Actually meaning it. Right? Not like, oh, camera's around. Hey, what's up, prostitute? How are you today? And like the prostitute's like, well, and just starts talking. He's just smiling, looking around like, oh, I bet I look so loving right now. (laughs) That's also like, I'll say this, growing up in a Christian scene, my, one of my major quarrels was like, it was this currency of righteousness where it's just like, I don't know, man. It was just like, how loving can you be? And like, so other people would see it. And obviously that's like the skeptical, pessimistic way of looking at things like, oh, but it kind of is like, oh, I'm going to go talk to this person or I'm going to go feed the homeless or build houses for people and like, look at me. Oh, it was so rewarding. Like, like that's so also so pessimistic of me. But I think (laughs) I got to like, I'm almost digging a hole right now because I'm saying like, oh, going and building houses for people. Oh, that is great. And I think people should experience that. And I think like my buddy, Corey, I won't say last name, was talking about like one of the pros about growing up in a Christian community is like that is something that's pushed. Like you have so many opportunities to like do something like that. And if you experience something like that, this is kind of what I was saying, like the algorithm and like what's meant to be and how to live life. Like you, you realize how fulfilling it is to serve others. So that's a benefit. And we were saying like, You're also a lot, when you grow up in a Christian community, it's very reflective on like, how am I doing? How am I living? Like, you know, and like, you don't always get that. The issue is when humans just get their fingers on things. It's that like currency of righteousness, as I said before, where the value in that community is of being righteous in a sense and you know that that's going to get corrupted by a certain amount of people it's like who like what kind of person is the one who is talking about like being loving and like Jesus is love and like all this stuff you know and like posting all that on social media but then is like the one who's gossiping and like their speech is just filled with anger and hatred. Now, how would a Christian view that? No one's perfect. Sin is sin and you can't judge someone like uh, in Christianity, it's like take the plank out of your own eye before like you point out the sawdust in someone else's. Like even me, right? Like I'm pointing out like all these things I that grind my gears about Christianity. And I'm a Christian. I'm not perfect. And that like, that's part of being a Christian is you gotta like recognize like, hey man, 
there's never been a part in your life where you, while you've been alive, who knows, I don't know, like one, two, whatever, where like you were a flawless human being. You are deeply flawed. A Christian would say, you need to, like it's a come to Jesus moment. You need to accept that like Jesus is the path to living a more fulfilling and righteous life. Even if you're not a Christian, I would urge you, you don't have to read the Bible, but it, it just imagine Jesus. And someone asked, what are, you, what are the rules to live by Jesus? He said, love others. So like every decision, action, speech, thought, whatever, should like, first question is, is it loving? Live, spend the next week thinking about that. When you're like, ask yourself, would Jesus do this? Like, what would Jesus do here? I find it to be interesting how like that bracelet feels corny now. I don't even know if like people are even aware of it, but definitely growing up in the Christian community, it was like, People have like the WWJD bracelet and that just seemed corny. Like, oh, what would Jesus do? But for real, if we're talking about a perfect human being, and that, last thought, that even in itself, people are like, oh, <laughs> you know, like the envy thing. Like, don't be envious of that. Like, oh, he's so freaky. Oh, I bet he's so loving. <laughs> you know, like, when someone is like loving and genuine, people are like, oh my gosh, that's so annoying. Which is funny. <laughs> um, but yeah, Christianity. It has evolved. It will continue to evolve. It's incredibly complicated. Like the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Catholic, Protestant, Orthodox. The Bible up to interpretation, yay or nay? Was the world literally made in six days? All that stuff. I think what makes a Christian, whether they're Catholic, Protestant, Orthodox, is the belief in Jesus. In the, like further than like, oh, Jesus was a, yeah, like Jesus was alive. Yeah, that there's documents to support that someone named Jesus was on this planet. It's the like God part. I think most Christians can get down with Matthew twenty two, thirty six to forty. That's the two greatest commandments. Love. It's pretty bonkers. I will end with rereading 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7. So we can think about like the, our homework for this week is to think about how am I doing in regards to that? It's almost like the eightfold path to truth for Buddhism. And with Buddhism, which is funny, Buddhism calls it right intentions. Christianity calls it love. 
And it like reminds me, here's a thought and then I'll read the verse. That you have so many religions where people are like, this is the way, you know, like they got this dogma and perhaps God is, if God's real, is sitting on the other side of this like dimension we can't comprehend and just shaking his head and like almost laughing like you stupid humans. (laughs) Like you, you are trying to talk about things that you do not have the ability to even comprehend. It's like a five-year-old trying to explain gravity. But like, yeah, you can say, well, things drop because of it. Like, okay, but like, it's very, it goes deep. It's incredibly complex. So like a five-year-old, how deep can they possibly go? Anywho, 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 7. This is the homework for the week. Think about how you're doing. All actions, thoughts, speech. Does it pass? Does it check all the boxes? Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Some words to live by. And that is the end of class. The bell is ringing. Peace. Peace.